Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? We don't have the answers, but we are going to discuss it this time on Reading the Defense. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the next installment of Reading the Defense. The NFL season is upon us. It is August, and we need to get down to the nitty-gritty of predicting who is going to win the Super Bowl. Incorrectly, most likely, but we are here. So this is the Iceman, Matt Freights, and that is Mike P. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome, man. Football's back. Come on, football's back. I know. And it's funny. We wait all season long for this moment. And yet it feels like it takes forever. But also the Super Bowl felt like it was yesterday. You know, it, weirdly enough, it does feel like it was faster than normal this time around. I don't know why. Maybe because all the summer sports that usually sort of bridge the gap weren't as entertaining as they normally are. Yeah. Or this summer seems to have flown by. It always does, I guess. Oh, I, yeah. It's, you know, I watched hockey. Obviously, the Panthers were, were playing well this year. So I watched uh, a lot of hockey playoffs, which is kind of fun. But maybe that helped. Maybe watch a little World Cup action was for the women was something to bridge the gap. I don't know. Maybe it's just busier. And I just didn't realize time flew. I will say that the Women's World Cup, their performance did provide a lot of people in this country a lot to complain about. And that's not really what this is about. But I did find the the reaction to it interesting because a lot of people, in my view, weren't really reacting to the result as much as the politics of like one or two people on the team when much of the team that is in place now is different than I think the team that has been historically good. Like there's, yeah. there's I found they were talented, but young and also in a transition year. And also I think the coach to me made a lot of moves that didn't make sense. Yeah. So I, there was a lot of criticism I mean, to be had. I, I, and it should be had. I think they catastrophically crashed out of a World Cup that they were going into the number one team in the world. And if they had not been the number one team in the world, you could make all kinds of excuses about, hey, they're just trying to make their way there. But they were the number one team in the world. They did, they should have done much better. They did not play well together. They did not play good soccer almost ever. Maybe the last game, their best game, was the game they lost in, in PKs, obviously. And then some of their most experienced players missed PKs, critical PKs. They could have won. It's kind of disturbing. I think, though, you go back to that, and I think it's a perfect example, right? People are jumping on them. Oh, they're too woke. Oh, they're, they're this. You know, but some of the other folks, I think you look at like Alexi Lawless or, or even Carly Lloyd's comments, it has nothing to do with their politics. It had a lot to do with they felt like the team wasn't taking winning or the responsibility serious enough anymore. It became too much of a, oh, we're going to get there. It's going to be fine. We're good. We're so good. We can just do this. And they were going to, you know, maybe some of the veterans are going through the motions. And I think, you know, combine that with some of the politics stances they took. And as I think Alexi Wallace called him, like just kind of a, an unlikable team, which is really unfortunate because there's a lot of likable people on that team, you know, who do, who play really, they're, and they're uber talented and they deserve to do better. And it's unfortunate that they crashed out of the World Cup. It's good for the World Cup because now you're going to have a World Cup winner who's never won the World Cup before, which is kind of cool, but sucks for us. It does suck for the U.S., but honestly, it's not too dissimilar from whenever there's a dynasty in the NFL and a lot of yeah. fans get tired of that. That's and true. I think a lot of times, this this is sports in general, mm -hmm. when you become too successful, you end up becoming a villain. Yeah. And much like my shirt, Batman here, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think it is true because I think worldwide, 
And also, I think more specifically in this country, we love ourselves an underdog, but we don't like too much success. And that's why teams like the Patriots, teams like the Cowboys have gotten such a bad rap because yeah. their fan bases obviously get a lot of bravado, but we don't like to see people be too successful. We still like the idea, I think maybe deep down, that the humility matters. And sometimes success breeds pride and pride breeds uh, unlikability for those around you. And I think that even the best of us sometimes get uh, too much into our pride. And we like winners, but we like winners who have the humility to don't to not think of themselves as the winner. And I think when you start getting to that level, that's exactly what breeds that contempt. And it's unfortunate. But you should never have contempt. My thing is, like, I can't have contempt for my national team. I'm going to root for them, even if I don't like some of their stuff or I think they're kind of unlikable because I feel like, God, they just feel like they're just, they think they're great. I'd rather them see them go out there and earn it, I'd rather see them play better. But they're still a national team. I'm not, I'm not in any way happy they lost. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, I'm not either. And I agree with you. When it comes down to national pride or a national sport, you should be a lot more supportive. And look, we are used to winning a lot when it comes to international sports, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's soccer. The only one we can't seem to do is men's soccer, but that's okay. You can't know. win them all, right? But you can't win them all. But I think it was disturbing for me to see so many people almost happy that we lost yeah. in the way that we That's lost. Frustrating. It is very frustrating. And and honestly, man, a lot of people who don't know enough about the sport, who probably didn't watch a minute of it and were just hoping for that particular result. I guarantee you that's true. And it's but they got bad. all the press, right? I don't think a lot of people were them. I think a lot of people were kind of like probably frustrated when they saw them uh, tie Portugal in the group stage, which led them to the harder quarterfinal game because it just didn't look like they were getting it done. And their reaction after that game was kind of ho-hum, no big deal. And I think a lot of people were like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be the best. You should not be looking this content after that performance. And I think that maybe rubbed people the wrong way. All I, those people are lost in the noise of the people who are like, I'm just glad that the woke people lost. It's annoying. It's just kind of where we are in yeah. this country. But that's not why we're here today, yeah, despite sorry. starting with that. <laughs> so we have a lot to cover this week. Thank because God, football is back. <laughs> yes. And I mean the Americanized football, not the game of soccer that we call soccer, but everybody else calls football. So what we're going to attempt to do today is we're going to attempt to go division by division and give a little bit of a preview Hopefully at the end, we'll give some extremely uninformed takes as far as who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to make the playoffs, because that's really what is fun about doing this stuff. We don't know anything. We're not credentialed journalists, but we are football fans, and we're going to do the best that we can to try to give you a fun show here. So we're going to start with the AFC East. Now, I do want to preface this also. Last year, we attempted to do this, and this guy right here talked about how the Denver Broncos were going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC, and they were not. But can't, we're can't make a much worse prediction than I did last year, so we'll see how it goes this time. You have a chance to redeem yourself <laughs> because we're going to go through this. So we're just going to go cool. division by division. We're going to start in the AFC East. Now I'm going to say something, and I want to know if you agree with this. The AFC East is the best division in football. Mm, I don't know if I can say that. It's uh, at least stacked with talent and good it's teams. It's one of the top it's probably depending how they do this year. I think it, you get at the end of the year, you're going to say the AFC East, the NFC East, or probably one of those two is probably the best division. I was going to say the NFC West, but I think there's a couple of teams that are just not good enough. I think we rest on our laurels when it comes to these divisions. Like when we look at the NFC West, for example, which we're going to get to later, we think of them as perennially great because I think recently that would tell you that. But it's a lot of turnover in the NFL. And coming into this season for this 
division in particular, we have obviously four teams and three of them to me feel win ready now, but not all of them feel like in the same place. So let's start with the Buffalo Bills who have won the division, I think the last two or three seasons. Mm -hmm. They have lost in the playoffs to the Kansas City Chiefs and I believe they lost to the Bengals last year. Is that correct? I can't, I think so. And so they have been a team with Josh Allen. Josh Allen has been seen as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. At some point in time, he was called the best quarterback in the league. And that was after beating the Chiefs last year in week six. They have not seemed to be able to get over the hump as it relates to the playoffs. And I understand that you want to set yourself up for a long period of winning. And they at least have the quarterback to do that, which is the hardest position to find. And actually, Josh Allen started so poorly, but has really progressed so much to the way that you would like to see your quarterback do it. But coming into this season, I feel like last year they got the benefit of the doubt in terms of their talent. And now I think a lot of people are on the train of, okay, so you have Josh Allen, who took a lot of wear and tear running the football last year. And just over the course of his career, he's a tough quarterback. He's a big quarterback, though. So He is a big quarterback. And then you have Stephon Diggs. And the rest of the team is sort of a mystery in terms of their offensive prowess. And I think last year, not too dissimilar from the Cowboys of a few years ago, they were almost a one-trick pony, and they really haven't done a whole lot to get better in that regard. Right. So I think the Bills, I don't want to say have they regressed, because I don't think that they've gotten progressively worse than they were last year, but I do believe that you can get worse by all the other teams around you getting better. And I think if you look at the crop in the AFC, are the Bills still the cream of the crop? And I'm not sure that that's the case. Yeah, I think that's interesting at the Bills. is that They clearly are a very, very good, great football team. Uh, they did a good job of, of retaining the core of that great football team going forward. The question, though, is so what they're playing, their kind of plan, if you will, is like we have this, is, this recipe has worked. We're going to keep using the recipe. You know, we're, we're a, a bad play here, a, you know, a roll of the, uh, football one direction or the other away from maybe going forward. Why change it? If it's not broke, don't fix it. That may work for them. And I think they have the talent to where they can be very, very good. But you're right. The rest of the division has, out of necessity, tried to improve. So the real question is going to come down to, just like every football season, is can that, can that re- recipe work against a different field? And can you keep the injuries at bay? It always comes down to the injury. Yeah, the injuries are not anything you can really predict. And over the last couple of seasons, they have been pretty fortunate. Like I said, I mean, Josh Allen is a big quarterback, but also when you run the football as aggressively as he does. Now, Lamar Jackson gets a lot of crap because he's a running quarterback, mm-hmm. but Josh Allen takes some big hits. He does. And that, to me, is worrisome because that's wear and tear. And it only takes one or two of those hits to be bad enough that you're out for the season or out for a significant amount of time to the point that it could affect your season, but you can't predict that. So we try and do that based off of what's on paper. I just wonder, especially this offseason as well, when he and Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen I'm talking about here, seem to have a little bit of a rift to where Stephon Diggs wasn't at training camp. They seem to have to talk it out. And again, I don't know if that's just egos getting in the way. Is it game plan scheming? I mean, you have two seasons where you've lost in I don't want to say humiliating fashion because it's not like they have been blown out or anything, but they have not been able to do what great teams end up doing, which is take the next step. The Chiefs lost to the Patriots in 2019 at home. They took the next step the next year and won the Super Bowl. That's what the best teams do. That's what the best players do. And so far, the Bills have not been able to do that. And the AFC was stacked last year. And I feel like there's a lot of teams that have gotten better and are more motivated this year. And that is 100% 
seen by what is in their division with the rest of the teams, except maybe the Patriots getting better. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's actually the the issue. I don't. I'm not too worried about the Josh Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs concerns. I mean, it, it maybe it could happen, but I I think at the end of the day, both those guys want to win. They seem like to have people who like to win. And so I anticipate they'll probably find a way to put it together and go try to win. The question is just whether they can get it done and how's it play out against the other teams. It's one of those ones where this team feels like it's going to be great again, but man, you know, got to get them over that hump. Yeah, this feels kind of like the U.S. women's team where it's like they're going to get to the playoffs. It's what do they do after that? And we won't know that until we get there. I mean, obviously an injury here or there could derail them in the regular season, but I think if everything stays healthy, this is a double-digit win team. Easy. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. Now let's go to the next team, which is the Miami Dolphins. So this team fascinates me because last year they get Mike McDaniel, their new head coach. They caught, I don't want to say teams by surprise last year, but certainly whatever it is that he employed worked. Tua played well when he was actually on the field, which is, again, a concern. They had a lot of news from his concussions last year. I'd like to think that they learned from that. But you never know with Tua because a concussion, it just can happen anytime. And he's had how many of them now? They bring in Vic Fangio, new defensive coordinator, which a defense was good last year. They bring in Jalen Ramsey, but he's hurt. Injuries <laughs> already playing a part in that. Yeah. Are the Dolphins the kind of team that can stay where they were last year, and or can they improve? Or is this one of those things where the new coach comes in, the new system comes in, and now you have a whole year of tape on these guys, and the shine sort of wears off? The Dolphins are a team, I, I, it's hard to trust a franchise that's never been able to do it in any consistent way. Well, not since the 70s. That's what I'm saying. It's It's <laughs> been a long time. I mean, they were really good in the 80s, too. They, they were. Never got over, they never won the Super Bowl. But if you look at this century, okay, right, and then you think about Tua coming in, yeah, and you almost don't even know if that fan base trusts Tua the way that they probably should. Well, I think they should. And some, I look at like the Miami Dolphins last year, like the tale of two teams. Team one was when Tua was healthy and playing, and they looked unstoppable. They looked so good, and you're like, man, this team could go and make a lot of waves and watch out. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs, at least in the warm weather places. Uh, it's a, it was a, you know, that felt like their offense was kind of warm weather offense, if you will. Um, then there was a team that played without Tua, and it was a different team altogether. And so, like, a lot of people are like, oh, Tua needs to take a step up. I think Tua is good enough. He's clearly good enough. The difference between when that team played with Tua and that team played without Tua was glaringly obvious. Um, so he's good. The question is, can he stay healthy? That's really what it comes down to. And if he doesn't stay healthy, what has Mike McDaniel done to find a way to make that team resilient to a to an injury? Because last year they just weren't. They were not a good football team when they didn't have their starting quarterback. They barely got by. So uh, that's my big question more than the Miami Dolphins. It's, it's, it feels like it's it's a an injury uh, to a quarterback who's injury prone away from the wheels falling off. It's a sign that your quarterback is for real when you have that precipitous drop-off between one versus the other. Now, I think I made the argument this offseason that when you looked at the Ravens last year, who we'll get to more in depth, but when Nate Hundley came in, the team was still winning football games because even though Lamar Jackson is a talent that is unlike any in the NFL, they got another guy who runs the same sort of system and is the same kind of guy, right? Yeah. But when Tua goes out, Teddy Two Gloves comes in and throws four picks. I think <laughs> Cleve calls him Teddy Four Picks, which is like, <laughs> it was, it was bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. Now, the yeah. year before, when Fitzpatrick is coming in, that's a veteran guy. Right. That's a guy who was a starter in the league. You know what you're going to get out of him. Many, many places. Exactly. But <laughs> he's seen a lot. Yeah. So 
it's just amazing. And I think that, yes, Tua was for real. Tyreek Hill obviously had a lot to do with that, a near historic season. And I think that if the defense is able to get better and a little bit more disciplined, Last year, they seemed like they were a little undisciplined in their approach. Yeah. And you bring in Fangio, who's a defensive guy, obviously. Right. I think that's going to add some stability. And I think, though, again, if they can stay healthy, and I know we're going to say that for a lot of teams, but I think that this team could be dangerous. I think it's it's highly likely that the Dolphins could actually challenge the Bills for the division because they seem to kind of be figuring it out in Buffalo. Remember they played them last year? in Buffalo, and they didn't play that poorly, even with the snow. Yeah, And that's why I asked about the Bills, because it seems like, is everybody catching up to them, and specifically a team in their division? Yeah. Yeah. My big question is, how do you feel, Dolphins fans, about Mike White? Because he's your backup quarterback. Don't don't laugh at that, because White Mike, as a lot of people have called him, (laughs) has come in and won football games with vastly inferior talent with the Jets. He can come in and win... A game or two. And then he falls back to earth like a meteor. He does. And so you don't want him for a long, but you can have him for a little bit. The question is, how do you feel about him if if, uh, Tua goes out? And that's my only concern with with really with the the Dolphins is I look at that and I go, man, I hope, I really hope Tua doesn't hear. I like Tua. Mm -hmm. I do. I like him. And he's a great quarterback. He seems like a great human being, too. And you kind of get the uh, interviews with him. I don't want him to get hurt. I want him to be healthy and play good football and see if he can maybe bring Miami back to some sort of relevance. I think that that city and that area of the world has missed for a long time. I can't disagree. And speaking of great human beings, the New York Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> who you and I are both kind of over with as far as a human being is concerned. But the Jets seem to think that he can still play high level football. And he's going to a team with a lot of very young, talented weapons. The defense was top 10 last year. I think that they can probably do that again. And I think you go from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers last year, and the team is probably a playoff team. Can that actually happen with a full offseason? He's getting to know these guys. It seems like he's taking the time to foster relationships with these guys. He's not treating them the way that he treated a lot of the young guys in Green Bay, at least early on last season. And I think the Jets, the only thing that holds them back outside of injuries is their schedule because it's really rough to start the season. I believe their first six games could it's not out of the realm of possibility that they start one and five or two and four only because the teams are so good yeah, at I mean, the top. Monday night, uh, let's see, at home against the Bills, then at Dallas, then home against the Patriots, then home against the Chiefs, then at Denver, then home against the Eagles. That's a rough, that's a rough start. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of talent right there for them to have to play with in the beginning. And, and I'm a believer. I, I said this last year. So, a broken clock is right twice twice a day. I said that the Broncos were only a quarterback away from being great. Turned out it was either the wrong quarterback or the wrong coach. Uh, Sean Payton would have you believe maybe he's the wrong coach. Oh, he sure does. <laughs> the Jets surely felt like a pretty good team with a, without a quarterback with a quarterback problem last year. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, uh, despite his eccentricities, if you will, as a human being, is a hell of a football quarterback. And I'll tell you what, um, I think it'll be a very interesting year to see him take that team and, and kind of maybe, again, in those fan bases, it's just been like miserable for years and years and years with that team just never really kind of putting it together. You know, maybe he does it. Maybe he brings it back in. And honestly, like maybe he finds a way to get Zach Wilson 
back into how to become a leader and a and a and a quarterback in the NFL and a, as a professional. And I am I will say this though, it's a, it it does seem like a very different Aaron Rodgers around his teammates when you see the reaction. It almost feels like maybe he just needs a change of scenery in Green Bay. He wasn't happy there. He didn't like it anymore. He's just ready to get out and try something new and. And this is what he needed because I'll tell you, he does seem to have the respect of a lot of his teammates and he seems to actually care. And uh, hopefully he's modeling a behavior for Zach Wilson who can maybe do something with it. Yeah, I think the Jets are a team that are going to be potentially volatile only because it's all brand new. Can Aaron Rodgers be the same Aaron Rodgers that he has been? I think he's taken a step down in terms of his mobility just because, hey, he's almost 40 years old. Like as two guys who are in their 40s, it happens. I mean, you're not going to be as elite as you were. Not as good as I once was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you can still be good enough. And the thing is, can he establish a rapport with his receivers to the point that he is maybe not MVP level, but honestly, man, with as bad as Zach Wilson was last year, they don't need an MVP level Rodgers. They need serviceable quarterback play. They would have been a double-digit win team had they had serviceable quarterback play last year. I mean, they had the Rodgers that played in Great Bay last year. Which is still... They'll do really, really well. It's funny how that season is one of his worst, but is statistically one of the best in Jets franchise history. So exactly, if they get that, they're better. So I think the Jets will be the most interesting team to watch because of the fact that they had such a turnover from last year. They have a lot of talent on the team and they're very young, but they're a team, much like the Dolphins, it's that they haven't gotten to that point of winning yet. The Dolphins, at least last year, had those flashes, and you're like, all right, they made the playoffs. Sure. Had they had health, they probably would have been a dangerous team. The Jets need to kind of take that step, but they don't have as much time because Aaron Rodgers is 38 or 39 years old. And then there's the New England Patriots, and as much as it pains me to say this, this is clearly the worst team in the division, but yet somehow you can't write them off right? because last year was such a dumpster fire. Yeah, it really was. It was a strange dumpster fire, but from what I understand, Matt Patricia was there basically for free because the Lions were still paying his salary. So in some ways, apparently this was a money situation and given a guy that has been on your squad before, you know, throwing him a bone. And now this year they get all that out of here. We get competent people. Bill O'Brien, no matter whether you feel or how you feel about him as a head coach, mm-hmm. competent or offensive coordinator. So Mac Jones is going to get a guy who's at least been in New England who has established himself as a guy who works well with quarterbacks. But the problem that I see is they haven't gotten any better. They have no weapons on this team. I just don't understand how every year goes by, you see stagnant offensive play, and they're going to be that run-first team. And honestly, even though last year they were such a disaster and disorganized team, they still weren't completely out of it all year long. Like They didn't have one of those like four-win seasons The two questions I have is, can Mac Jones mature? Because he didn't really handle last season very well. And I've been there, okay? Like, I know when you're working around people or you have superiors that you feel are not competent, I can understand being frustrated. But this is the National Football League, and you have to be the one to set that tone. So can that happen? Mm -hmm. And is Bill O'Brien going to add some stability there to the point that, I mean, the defense was good last year. Yeah. Probably top 10. I'm not going to say it was a leap, but Matthew Judon had a full good season with them. Yeah, People keep saying that Belichick's lost it. I don't believe that. I think that a lot of it has to do with he just doesn't have a lot of talent. And when you come off 20 years of the same quarterback, that's going to happen. Like these teams now with their franchise quarterbacks, you're going to be back in that spot again. It's just the cyclical nature of the NFL. They they milked a lot of talent for a long time until they ran out of time and they had to start building again. It takes time. I just, I don't know if they can survive. It's just a tough division. Yeah, like it's 
not out of the realm of possibility for them to go two and four of the division. Because yeah, I mean, all the teams happen. are better than them on paper yeah. and have gotten better. The question is, again, can the Jets as a franchise become winners? And can the Patriots steal one against the Dolphins or Bills, which feels kind of likely, but they're, they've never been able to beat the Bills. The Bills have been cleaning up on the Patriots the last couple of years. I'm not too convinced that this team isn't going to be, I don't want to say a bottom 10 team, but I feel like they're going to be picking in the top 10 next year only because they just don't have the talent. You know, and and that would be ideal for them. As much as we'd all love to, I'm, I'm sure if you're a New England Patriots fan, you want them to win no matter who they put on the field. Um, sometimes when you're when you're recharging and, and you have a lack of talent or your talent is weak because you're having to rebuild a team, the best thing for you to do is to not overplay your talent. <laughs> And get those, and it's not just the top 10 pick in the first round, it's the top 10 pick in every round. That's where the depth of the draft lies, and that's where you build and, and grab all that talent for, for your team going forward. And as, you know, if the other teams are ascending with talent like the Bills who've been around for a while or the Jets with an older quarterback, you know, maybe the best play is to kind of middle, get grow your talent. So as they're starting to fall down the side again, you're now rising again. That gives you that opportunity to kind of play within that division. Um, I mean, clearly, like, you're not going to get to change what they did in the offseason. They, they did what they did, right? So maybe if you look at it, they go, okay, if we're willing to see what we can do this year, we get some good, better draft picks, and then we have a, a active offseason next year with the intent of making a run again. Maybe that's the plan. I don't know. I just think they're going to be one of those teams that's they're just playing a tough division. I just don't – I hate to say it to my, my Pats fans, including you and, and some other good friends of mine. I don't know, man. I just don't know how – I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I just don't. Absolutely not. I just think that they're going to struggle because the division in the conference, honestly, is just so difficult. So let's move on to the AFC South. If if I were oh, to say the AFC that South. the AFC East is probably one of the best divisions in football, this is probably one of the more mediocre divisions in football. Yeah. And you Definitely. got you got some teams in here. So let's start with the Titans. So the Titans mm-hmm. still feel as if they're in win mode now or they're win now mode. They are. They are in win now mode, but I'm not sure... When you hear that, I think of the New York Jets as in, okay, we're we're going all in. We're getting the one position that we need. They're going to rely on Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis is still out there, but from what we know, he didn't play well last year, but the situation wasn't that great. No. Nope. Derrick Henry, you have to ask yourself, is he still the guy? And I mean the guy that he has been. Because yeah. running back sits like that, like yeah. you're done. And they just traded or signed DeAndre Hopkins, who mm-hmm. I think is on the downward part of his career. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. It's hard to tell. He's playing in Arizona. It's, kind of like... it's hard to tell. <laughs> but this is what they're banking on. I think their defense was serviceable last year. Yeah, they had a ser- good defense. And they got some great players on the defensive line. And that, that makes a big difference. But So this is one of those teams that it's like if the Patriots was in this division, they would actually probably be in a better situation. Oh, yeah. So I think the Titans are going to be a playoff contender this year. It's just a matter of are they actually dangerous in any way? Like they... Don't feel that way to me. Yeah, man. I, I just, it's, you're right. It's the Ryan Tannehill. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is, is, that was what happened last year, right? They got, they lost their big receiver. That yeah, What a great pickup for Philly. I mean, good God. But like they lost their big receiver and all of a sudden they became a, a one trick pony offense. It was, they were running through Derrick Henry. They weren't winning. Maybe with DeAndre Hopkins, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill can have a better year and that can open things up for Derrick Henry, assuming he's still healthy. Um, but for the most part, it feels kind of like a team that's like, well, we're going to see what we can do with the old the old guard here. 
And we've drafted a couple quarterbacks two years now in a row. We drafted Willis and then Will Levis, which, by the way, when someone keeps talking about the Willis-Levis, Willis versus Levis, I keep thinking like Willis versus Levis, it messes me up because like Will Levis, Willis, Will Levis. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Willis versus Levis, who's 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 the future for this franchise going forward? They kind of did that, I think, as a way to recharge. I, I, I you know... I think you, you mentioned to me a little bit about how you thought Vrabel was, you know, could this mean Vrabel could be on the hot seat? I don't think he is. I think he's played, he's done such a good job of like making people trust him as a coach that I think this could be on the season where even if they don't do well this season, I think people would be like, it's okay, Vrabel will find a way. Let's give him some time to see what he can redo now. Okay, that means Tannehill's probably gone. Okay, let's see how these young quarterbacks are playing. What's he going to do to restock the offense? You know, we'll see what happens there. But I think it's, uh, they're an interesting team that I think they, the past makes us think that they're maybe competitive. But I think that, like, if you put the Tennessee Titans against the high top-tier teams from the other divisions, including another team in their division, we'll talk about it shortly, they just kind of fall, to me, they just fall kind of like a, they're way on the way on the downswing, I think. Yeah, they don't seem like a team that's going to really make any noise, but I agree with you about Vrabel. I don't think he's on the hot seat because I think Mike Vrabel has created, I hate to use the word, like a culture there, but he's not the kind of guy who strikes me as he, he's he's a likable guy. He At least he yeah. seems to be. So if they're losing, he's not the Rex Ryan type. Remember, Rex Ryan still <laughs> talked as if they were winning when they right. weren't winning. I think Mike Vrabel is at least making an attempt or the franchise is making an attempt. It's just they don't seem dangerous. Now, the other team that you talked about is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who last year you picked to win the division. Mm -hmm. And they didn't win the division, but they certainly made the playoffs and ended up getting what was a historic win against the Chargers, who we'll talk about in a minute. So the Jaguars get rid of Urban Meyer. Awesome. Yep. They bring in Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach, and it takes a little bit but they find it. Trevor Lawrence looks like a completely different quarterback. Much better. They get into the playoffs. They have the Chargers, and the Chargers steamroll them in the first half. But like a lot of teams that make that jump who have a good head coach, they come back and win the football yeah. game. They go to Kansas City. They're outclassed by Kansas City, but not blown away. The doors right. aren't blown off of them. And it feels like, all right, this is the young team stepping up to the big dog in the yard. And it's just like, hey, You'll get us next time. It happens all the time in sports. You see these up-and-coming teams. But I think that now, this year, obviously there's a target on their back because they're not going to surprise anybody. But Peterson, again, he has a good rapport with this team. Trevor Lawrence was playing with confidence last year. Yeah. And I think that they have developed that mentality to win because when you win a playoff game like they won it, they have, conf they, they have a data point that says, we can do this now. The question is, are they going to be able to sustain it throughout the entire season? They're in a weak division, so they could be on good footing with a 4-2 and two record, let's say, in the division. And then how do you fare against the rest of it? They're playing a tougher schedule than they did last year. What do you think? Uh, you know, I think this is a very good football team, honestly. I, I, I think they'll win their division. Uh, I think they're the best. They're clearly, I think they are, I know people love Tennessee, but um, I just think they're the best. They are the best football team in this division. Assuming they don't have, obviously, injuries are always the big Equalizer, we always know that. Um, I just think they they have a young quarterback who's much, much better than his first year. He's got the confidence. The team around him is strong. It's an offense. Their defense is good. Uh, they've learned how to come back and win games that they were losing. Uh, they did it both in the playoffs. They did it against the Cowboys last year as well, uh, late in the year. Um, just beat the Cowboys in the preseason, too, they didn't did. they? did. They did. They played their starters, Not that uh, matters. which is weird. I, I, that was a big thing there. I saw Trevor Lawrence play like three or four series. Probably bought himself an extra series because his first throw was an interception. 
But, uh, you know, that being said, it's preseason. I don't judge anybody in preseason because he's playing against the twos, but I don't know how many of his ones are out there with him. And we know there's no game planning or any of that stuff. So it's just kind of like, I just like to watch people play football a little bit. And it was interesting to watch. Um, I think they're going to be a good team. Yeah. the I think the Jag- Jaguars are going to, are going to, they're an ascending team for sure. I think I agree with you. Uh, if I were to look at this and give a prediction, I would think the Jaguars are the team to beat in this division because I just don't have a, a lot of faith in the Titans. And I just feel like there's two good coaches there. I mean, Vrabel and Peterson are two yeah. good coaches and they each are dealing with different things. And I think if I was going to be one of them, I'd want to be Doug Peterson with the up and coming guy. I mean, Trevor Lawrence clearly has a lot of talent and it's amazing. It was night and day from Urban Meyer using him to Doug Peterson using him. And that is a sign of a good head coach. And Philadelphia yep. let him go. Young quarterback, young young running back. Yes. Versus oh, yes. old quarterback, old running back. I mean, just kind of old receiver, young receiver. Yeah. I just feel like the, the youth at some point is going to propel them above the Titans. Maybe this year, if my prediction is correct. If not, definitely beyond. And this is a very top-heavy division because the next two teams, we have the Indianapolis Colts, and the Houston Texans. Now, there is no way you could describe 2022 for the Colts without using the term dumpster fire between the Jeff Saturday stuff, trading for Matt Ryan, continuing this trend of not having a franchise quarterback. It's just weird. They have Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers. Now, they made the playoffs with Rivers, but my point is, is when you turn the page on quarterback, you want to have some kind of a game plan. So, yeah, well, two things make that happen, right? It's it's, what standard team happens to teams is they draft a quarterback early, and they're a complete bust, and they don't have a backup plan, and they are hosed for like four seasons. The other thing that can happen is you could draft the exact right quarterback who is a potential Hall of Famer, and he can retire on you. And that's where you stick with the Indianapolis Colts. And so they've been in quarterback purgatory for three seasons now and haven't figured it out. Um, and unfortunately, they probably wasted a little bit of talent along the way. I don't know if they're there yet. I just don't know that Richardson, the, the draft pick, is ready. I don't know that Minshew is... Finchy, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I just don't know that. I, I, they just feel like, especially, and then you got Taylor is upset. Or yeah, that's a know. weird situation. That's a good segue. This running back stuff because that made the news what a few weeks ago about the running backs and crying collusion. I don't think they were crying collusion, but I think the narrative was, oh wow, people aren't paying court, aren't playing, aren't paying running backs. Excuse me. And I think from a business sense in today's NFL, that's smart business because I think you need running backs. If you look at Danny Dimes last year, not the same guy when Saquon wasn't in the game. And obviously you need sort of a tandem, but I think we are long past the days of paying these guys elite money to be a running back. When Jonathan Taylor is a good running back, don't get me wrong. I mean, a a great running back. But the question is, is you're going to pay him this kind of money with all the mileage that he has on him when you could probably get a guy who could do... Not everything that he does, but a lot of what he does in like the third, fourth or fifth round of the draft. Right. And that's just kind of where we are. It's just too many teams have determined that they can find the talent when the talent starts to get wear on it. When the current talent gets wear on it, they find that they can get young talent and move on at a lower price. You know, second second contracts, second big contracts for running backs just don't doesn't seem to happen that often. It's just very rare. These days, and if I don't know why either, because it's not like well, they get more wear and tear than they used to. I mean, like Emmitt Smith ran the ball forever, you know. Uh, Walter Payton ran the ball forever. I don't understand exactly why it is that they wear out so quickly, uh, but they seem to wear out very much a lot quicker than they used to. Maybe the maybe everyone else in the NFL is just getting bigger and faster, um, and so the hits are just becoming more and more, and it's just taking a toll on the bodies for whatever it is. 
I think, yeah, it's, I don't think it's, it's not people colluding against running backs. I think it's just a matter of it's, it's a straight up, it's the way the business is running. It's just the, the smart teams are going, I can only got so much space. I got to pay people X, Y, Z. Can't afford to keep paying this guy this amount of money when I can get equal or maybe even slightly less production for a year and then maybe more production over the next three years. If I pay less, I'll do that instead. I think the issue too is that a lot of the running backs that have been paid recently, I know Zeke is the guy that everybody talks yeah. about, but there's there have been some other running backs who have gotten big time money yeah. coming off of a lot of wear and tear. And it's just a matter of, they're looking at this, and if you were to say, like, Zeke got paid, and we talked about this with the Cowboys, but it came down to, like, the timing of when all of the guys hit the market. Yeah. And that timing just was bad for them. Yeah. But That was a bad deal for the Dallas Cowboys. But, yeah. But, in the same time, they, they got it. I say that, great running back, better better teammate over the last four years. Um, and even now, still a great running back. Uh, can do things that people just can't do. He just is not the same running back that started his career. He, he was clearly lost a step compared to that. And it's, you know, it is what it is. But it comes down to when you look at the value that they got for that kind of money. And it's a business thing, I right? They got okay value. Okay value. But when you're talking about paying these guys and those contracts could set you back when your quarterback is ready to come up, those are decisions that every NFL team has to make yeah. because it's no longer the, the way that you can just underpay these guys. And so I think the Colts, going back to them, even if they put all of these things together, Richardson has a decent rookie year. This is a like sub seven win team because there's just not a lot of talent. And the Houston Texans are in the same boat. Their quarterback yep. has a little bit more. He's a little bit more game ready, obviously playing at Ohio State. CJ yeah. Stroud is what we're talking about. But the team overall just absolutely stinks. The franchise is not in a place where I feel like they really can get it right. They right. haven't really put the they haven't put the the pieces around. I mean, even they had Deshaun Watson, who we both can't stand. But obviously, when he was playing for the Texans, was a great quarterback, and they signed him and then didn't do anything else with it. And so I think this is a team that's going to be the bottom feeders in the AFC yeah. and probably in the NFL. I don't see them making some huge leap. It's just a matter of can C.J. Stroud get enough reps and stay healthy enough to get better. How many years did C.J. Stroud start at Ohio State? One, one or two but he at least played in some big-time games. I, I yeah. personally... I, I'm always a little weary of the whole... I, I'm very weary of a quarterback that has only played like one or two seasons I'm in, with the, you. in the college game. I don't care who they play for. I, I think you you can look and see, and I think if you're going to be good early, there is something we said for having multiple college seasons under your belt. I don't disagree He may be you. good eventually, but I think you're right. I think he will probably struggle in, in this first year. Oh, 100%. Especially on a team that's just not very good. That's the issue with a lot of these quarterbacks that get drafted. First of all, the high expectations. So C.J. Stroud, I mean, I think that there is something to be said about even if you played one or two seasons, if you've gone to the college football playoff, you're at least playing high-level caliber teams in big-time moments. And I do think that that matters. Sure. In the sense that you're getting big pressure moments against teams that have a lot of talent. Yeah. Not all NFL talent, but there's at least a lot of talent. Like, they played Georgia last year. I think we can objectively say that Georgia was good last year. I think they had a lot of NFL talent on their squad. Yeah. And so they almost won that game. So he's at least got that going for him. But a lot of these guys get drafted to these teams that have a lot of needs. Quarterback just happens to be one of them. And now they're thrust into these situations, zero weapons, zero protection. You just hope that they don't get hurt. And I think that's where the Texans are. And so they're not going to be any good. They're going to be an afterthought. They're probably going to be a guaranteed win for a vast majority of teams on their schedule. And that's all that it is. So let's move to the AFC North. Now, this is a division to me 
that's fascinating because I think that you have two clearly good teams and you have two teams that are serviceable or have been serviceable, but you're not sure. So let's start with the Steelers. The Steelers are one of the weird teams because Mike Tomlin had never had a losing season. I think he still hasn't had a losing season. I think that's true. Which is amazing because the last few years since Ben retired, he's had nothing. So they're on the Kenny Pickett train, 100% on the Kenny Pickett train. They have a great new receiver who I can't remember his name, but he's making all these ridiculous catches. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? about? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the name, though, for some reason. I George saw... Pickens? Does that oh, sound maybe right? maybe that's right. Pickett to Pickens. That sounds like something that's... Completely invalidates us as people who can talk about this, but yeah. the Steelers, though... There's too many teams. You know, there's 32 teams. You know that? There's a lot of teams. <laughs> not, I, yeah, I cannot be... I, I am not an expert in all these teams, but the Steelers feel like that kind of team that, again, Kenny Pickett coming in, he's now got the full reins. Remember, they went the Trubisky route last year, which was a complete disaster. And I just don't know if they're going to be that good. I mean, Kenny Pickett, I think, has a lot of upside. But is this team built to win with him at quarterback? I mean, they have a good running back, but not a good running game. Their defense usually is pretty good, but they're in a tough division, man. Like, they got to play the Ravens twice. They got to play the Bengals twice. Lord only knows what else. And I just feel like they're one of those teams that even if Kenny Pickett has a decent season, they're hovering around 500, maybe a little bit worse than 500. Yeah. I agree. They're a team that's got a young quarterback who's on the rise. They've got some good talent there. I think George Pickens, Allen Robinson. They've got Najee Harris as a running back. I mean, they're, you know, for the offensive side, good defense, a great head coach. But they may just be average because, unfortunately, there's a lot of better teams in the AFC right now they're just going to have to fight against. It's funny, too, because the Steelers, the fans, want Tomlin out. But I feel like if Tomlin got fired, the amount of teams that be calling the oh, yeah. second he got fired oh, yeah. would be like immediate. Like he would have a job within a day probably, but they're just... It wouldn't put past me if they have a winning season this year. It, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I know some people, Dave from Political Football is one of them who doesn't feel like Tomlin is actually that good of a head coach. He just happened to have a Hall of Fame quarterback and that is possible. But the fact that he's had such mediocre talent and still managed to not have a really, really bad season is there's something to be said about that. But let's talk about our favorite team, the Cleveland Browns, because they're the other team in the division. Boo. I agree. So this is now the first full year with Watson with this big contract. They have Amari Cooper. Obviously, they have Nick Chubb, who should still be the best back in the league. He's at least the most physical back in the league. Probably the best pure runner in the league. I mean, how long that will last, I don't know, but he's certainly built to last. I mean, he hasn't really been hurt that much. Big guy. But they had a weird season last year. They weren't very good. And I kind of wonder, though, are they actually a decent football team? Or is Deshaun Watson just washed because you take two years off? I didn't think he was that good in Houston. I know people tell you, look at these stats. Look at this stat. Look at all the yards thrown. I just feel like he came up average in Houston. And I, I just, I, I, I think he's like the hope, right? But look at his talent. Look what he can do. Look what he could possibly do. I don't know, maybe he's going to make, make make me wrong, but I just think he's just kind of, he's good. It's a franchise. And I hope he gets his leg broken when he's running the ball. Well, let's not do that. But it, it, slipping in the shower, that's what I say. It could happen to anybody, okay? Yeah, sure. But my point is, is the Browns... You don't think, like, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think, like, life-threatening to happen to the guy. No, but let's not have bad juju on this, because that's the last thing that we need is to be seen as people who are hoping that people get hurt. But uh, Browns are a franchise, sure. though. I'm sure the... 72 women that he's actually assaulted would disagree with you. I, I, I am. You and I are in full agreement. I'm sure a lot of people are. I know coaches that Deshaun allegedly, Watson. Sorry, allegedly, allegedly. Whatever. He's a despicable human being. I don't want him anywhere near my team, but it is what it is. He's a quarterback in this league getting a lot, paid a lot of money. 
Yeah, I, in fact, that's one of my points was, right? He's getting paid a lot of money. And I think he's the third best quarterback in this division. That is a very, very possible take. That's like I, not a good place to be in if you're a franchise. If you're Cleveland right now, you are paying the third best quarterback in your division, I think, the most money until until Joey Burrow uh, uh, signs his. Almost. It's from a guaranteed perspective, he's certainly getting a lot of money. That's and that's, that's I think, where I guess it comes Lamar down makes to. Money. But the Browns, I just, I don't see it because yeah. their window shut. That They had such a, they had such an opportunity. They were such a, a a team you could root for, and they took the Chiefs to the brink, and then everything fell apart yeah. that quickly. And I just don't think that they're going to have it. And as you said, they're at best the third, maybe the fourth best team in this division. Who knows, right? Like that, they're kind of an unknown because we didn't really get that experience last year. Who started for them last year? Was it Jacoby Brissett? Brissett, I think. No, no, no. Didn't he? Who did he play for last year? I thought he played for Carolina last year. All I know is that it wasn't good quarterback play that they got. Exactly. They were barely in the game. It was. Percent, I think it was. Percent, but Watson I'm not, I'm came not, in, wasn't very good. He wasn't so. much better when he came back. Yeah. This again feels like a team that ooh, six, seven, eight wins, maybe nine if they're lucky. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, again, unless, you know, we're all wrong and, and Deshaun Watson is amazing. It's possible. But something I know that is true is that the Baltimore Ravens obviously did the right thing in signing Lamar Jackson. Now time will tell yeah. as to whether the money is worth it and all that stuff. But honestly, in this league, like you need a quarterback. If you're going to win in Baltimore right now with the team they have, you pay that you pay that dude and you, and you, and you hope you win a championship with him. And then, then it doesn't matter if it was a, if he's only healthy for two years or whatever, but he's just, he's, he's a unique talent. Lamar Jackson's a unique talent. Like you can't be like, He's changing the quarterback. They always say he's changing the quarterback position. Yeah, the problem is like not enough people have that level of talent. Sorry, nobody. There's just aren't a lot of people who play football like that. There's just not that many talented people. He is a unique person who's very, very good, and he's going to excel. Yeah, I'd have paid him too. You have to, as your ball. You ball. have to pay him. But now that they have him, if you look at the team, weapon wise, they didn't have a lot, and they were still successful even without those weapons. But just like we talked about with the Bills, is the dynamic nature of how he plays quarterback enough to get them to the promised land with such a good conference? Right. Good conference. I mean, yeah, the conference is great. And then, yeah, you always worry with a quarterback who runs as much as he does, you worry about injury. And, you know, in some ways I worry more about injury for Lamar Jackson. It's not because he's not built. I mean, he's not as big as as Josh Allen. Josh Allen, but he's a big dude. But it's, I think it's some of it's the way he runs, right? So Josh Allen is going to, he when he make, hits contact, it's he, I think Josh Allen inst- instigates contact, which for most people will tell you, if you're going to take contact, if you're instigating the contact, uh, it hurts less. You're less likely to get hurt, right? Because you're you're deciding the, the when and the where. I feel like what makes Lamar so great is the fact that he avoids the contact and gets down the field and is so quick. But in doing so, he can probably, with some of those movements and those majorities where he's not trying to go after the contact, he's trying to get away from the contact, you open yourself up to those side hits or those odd angle hits that can go after those things like knees and, and those soft tissue injuries that you really worry about. And I, that's my only concern with, with Lamar Jackson running the ball as much as he does. But, man, it's really fun to watch. Oh, it so, is. Fun. I mean. It's very fun to watch. <laughs> and I think the narrative that he's not a good passer is crap. That's crap. He's got a great arm. Yeah, he does. And he throws the ball. And he's, now he's got, I mean, we'll see if o- OBJ is is uh, is back. Yep. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it'd be interesting to finally see him with a with a receiver and, and see what happens. Because he really hasn't had much of a receiver. 
I think what's going to come down to is the Bengals because I think the Bengals mm-hmm. are still one of the best teams in the conference. Oh, Obviously, yeah. could have gone to the Super Bowl last year. Joy Bur- Burrow gets hurt in practice. You never want to see that. But it doesn't seem to be a catastrophic injury. The way that they showed it, like it was oh, he's out for the season. The Bengals are toast. But it seems like he's going to be around for a majority of the season. This is obviously a team that has a lot of chemistry, good quarterback. They've got that mentality. I know that they lost in the AFC title game and they have a lot of bravado, you know, Burrowhead, all that kind of stuff. But they've got the talent to back it up. They do. They're a good football team. They're a really good football team. And and Burrow uh, is a talented quarterback. And what he has, I think, is part of that uh, chemistry and that mentality. It comes from him as a leader. He's just a cool customer. He doesn't let things phase him. And he, you know, exudes a confidence that I think the rest of that team picks up on. And sometimes there's parts of that that you can't, you can't teach it and you can't coach it. Sometimes it just is and you can just take advantage of it. And that's what Cincinnati is doing. And I think it's as long as he's healthy, it's twice now he's been hurt. You yes. know, you always get very nervous when a guy's getting hurt like that. But he's a talented quarterback. And so if he, if you know, the way Joe Burrow goes, the way this team goes. I totally agree with you. I think when you look at confident guys, sometimes we mix up confidence with cockiness, and they're right. two different they things. They are different. When Joe Burrow is confident, I mean, is there a cocky element to it? Sure, there definitely is. But he also comes across as that kind of guy that you just sort of can hang out with in the neighborhood kind of a thing, yeah. too. And that's part of what makes him likable. I mean, obviously, there's going to be people that are put off by his confidence, and that's just the way that it works in life. There are some people that rub you the wrong way, but there's something about him that's playful. I think he comes off far more confident than cocky. I, Because there is a fine line there, right? Sometimes people who people will say are confident are not really confident. They are cocky. And their cockiness is them hiding their lack of real confidence in themselves or what they do. I think Joey Burrow, Burrow is confident. He may, he may think he looks a little cocky, but I think he is confident in what he is, and he has no question about how confident he is in his abilities or in his teammates' abilities. That's the difference. It's, I think it's genuine, and that's why I think it's, that's why it's worked so well for his team. And they show up. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and it, yeah you get you, it comes down to can you do it? Can you get on the field and do it? And he does, and their team does. That's I think to me. For the Bengals, it's their division to lose, and the only thing that can be their hurdle is injury. Yeah. So you know we we're talking about the U.S. women's team and how some people would say that the team was a bit unlikable because they kind of you could argue it's that the turn from confidence to cockiness, but you got to back it up at some point. I think the opposite is true of the Cincinnati Bengals. They are a very likable team. I'm sure, unless you're one of the rivals, right? You probably don't like them, but I think they're a likable team for America. People look at the Cincinnati Bengals and they kind of like them. They like the confidence. They like the swagger. They like the talent. They like the flash plays from Jamar Chase. They like, you know, they like those things. And because Cincinnati hasn't won a bunch over a lot of years, it's encouraging to watch them do so. They're a likable team that's got a lot of talent. I agree with you. So let's move on to the AFC West, and let's start with the Denver Broncos, your dark horse Mm -hmm. last year. Oh, Denver. Not much has changed for them outside of the head coach, and I think that last year you could make the argument that the head coach was the prime issue well, Sean Payton team. would make that argument. Well, he would, and he has <laughs> I made it. I believe he did make that argument. He's made it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that does matter because Nathaniel Hackett looked out of his element over his head, whatever euphemism you want to use to, he didn't know what he was doing. But I think that there is a legitimate question as to whether Russ regressed a little bit 
and has because his career in Seattle, he did a lot of winning, but he also did a lot of what I call 30-yard passes for five-yard gains because he was running around a lot. And I don't know if he's that same guy. But he has had a lot of, like, you know, heave it and, like, amazing catches, and you're like, God, how does that keep happening? Now, don't get me wrong. He did a lot, and great. I think he was a great quarterback in Seattle. I expected him to be a great quarterback in Denver. Honestly, I didn't think it was big. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. I'm hoping that Sean Payton can, you know, to me it feels like it almost felt like he was uh, so maybe we'll go back to this confidence and maybe overly confident in his abilities going into Denver. He just thought he didn't need to do whatever it is he needed to do to win his team or do it. He was just like, I'm the guy. You guys should be thankful I'm here. And then he didn't play well and it just made it worse and worse and worse. And I just think that maybe Sean Payton's going to try to get that out of him if he can. We'll see. I think there is something to that because there were a lot of rumblings and rumors about he had his own locker room, really wasn't the best teammate type thing. And Sean Payton's not going to have that. Like Sean Payton, say what you want about him. I felt like he got way too much credit for winning one Super Bowl because if it wasn't for an onside kick, they might not be winning the said, hmm. said Super Bowl. That's and they, fair. That's fair. They didn't win another one and didn't even make it to another one. But they did a lot of winning and he had Drew Brees. Obviously, that helps when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think this is going to be more of a test of Sean Payton as a head coach because now you're coming into this dumpster fire. It seems as if, though, and we, we've joked or you have joked about Sean Payton mentioning Nathaniel Hackett, but I do think that there is a unifying factor to how much everybody on that roster hated Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> and the good coaches find those narratives yeah. to sort of play into the season. And if that's what gets this team unified to be good, because last year they were the laughing stock of the league on primetime six times. It was awful to watch them play football. And what professional, m most professionals don't want to hear that about themselves, I think. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I think that I think there, there's probably a lot of motivation in Denver to do well. I, I asked a friend of mine who's a huge Denver Broncos fan, you know, all right, how are you feeling about Denver this year? What are you thinking? And, you know, there's a little bit of hope, I think, with Sean Payton maybe coming in right in the ship a bit, but there's concerns about the offense still. You know, they just, it's just a bit of an unknown. They don't know. And, the, you know, obviously preseason doesn't matter much, but the first preseason game probably didn't give them any hope. They didn't look all that well put together. That may not matter. Um, I think losing Tim Patrick again kind of sucks for them. That's a, that's an unfortunate situation just because I think his deep field threat was so good that it's, it sucks to lose him. Injuries um, are always going to happen. And the, the, but the, the defense is good. You know, but they're playing in the AFC West. So that's that, the I biggest, think, that's the biggest thing that's going to hold them back. I agree. And a lot of these teams that we're not sure about, that we've talked about, what it comes down to for me is how are they compared to the other teams just in their division? Let's not even go larger picture in the AFC, but the Kansas City Chiefs are still here. The only thing that really changed for them is life without Eric Bieniemy. but how much of that is really a factor because Mahomes probably was the offensive coordinator for the most part. But I think the thing to watch about the Chiefs is when is Kelsey going to hit the precipitous fall? Because he's been their guy, and they lean on him a lot. And when is he going to go from being what he is to just another guy or know. another tight end? It's It's got to happen at I some point. I was watching highlights of that dude the other day, and I was watching him put these moves on defensive backs and linebackers, and I was like, God, man. Like I thought, oh, it's a linebacker. That makes sense. But then I'm like, no, that's like a safety. Kelsey's not a small dude, and I'm just like, God, how do you not stay with that guy? But he does a good job of getting open. Uh, you're right. How long can he do it? I don't know. Uh, they're they're going to ride they're, him until— They're a good team, man. They, they don't have the enemy anymore, uh, but, I mean, they still have a head coach there who's good with offense, and they have Patrick Mahomes, who is a—as much as Lamar Jackson is a unique talent, Patrick Mahomes is a unique talent in a different way.
with just his ability to read football, the field and, and get passes and put them in very precise places from all arm angles and positions. They're a team with And Mahomes. he's got that same, he's got the confidence that Joey Burrow has. Exact same type, right? That same kind of level of like, cool customer, I got this, I'm not worried about it. We're going to win. Yeah. yeah. They're a good football team. I think they have the, they are the, they're the, they're the, <laughs> they are purposely the top team in that, in that conference. And oh, in they've that been di- built well. Division. So don't forget though, last year Mahomes had 4,000 yards and wasn't thrown to Tyreek Hill. And Kelsey had a lot of those yards, but they're a team that gets the benefit of the doubt until they prove that they're not that sure. team anymore because you have that head coach, two-time Super Bowl champions now. They got over that hump. And honestly, the sky is the limit for Patrick Mahomes. Like, you kind of almost think, have we seen the best of Mahomes? And you're like, I don't know. Like, what is he capable of? He seems to be capable of a <laughs> bunch. <don't>, who knows? <laughs> but the division continues with the Chargers. So the Chargers are a team that I feel like are in make-or-break mode because they have a good quarterback. I think it's obvious. Their coach has been a little too cute for my liking in terms of the analytics. They bring in Kellen Moore, though, a guy who you mm-hmm. are familiar with. I think the biggest thing about the Chargers last year was not going down the field enough, and you have a quarterback who has a cannon. I think Kellen Moore is going to solve some of those problems a little bit, right? Because I think that he's going to come in and have a little bit of a different take on the offense. But are the Chargers the kind of team that can get over the hump of winning because they're a franchise that's not been able to do it, and then they lose to the Jaguars last year? What does that bring them this year? Yeah, that was our biggest thing we said all last year with the Chargers. They found ways to lose games that they were winning by doing dumb coaching things, in my opinion, or poor game management decisions. That's my concern with Kellen Moore. Did he learn from his mistakes and downs? He had this high-flying offense and high-scoring offense in the league, like three years running or something like that. Great offense. They put all these points on the board. But it wasn't that that caused him to be moved on from in Dallas. It was a bit of situational football. There were times when it's like, just run the ball here. Don't do that. And he would do that. Or don't just run the ball here. You need to think about this. Or where's your screen game at? What are you doing with that no screen game? There was no screen game in Dallas last year at all. They were the only team in the NFL that couldn't run a screen. How the hell is that possible? Um, He's got echo I, this year. I so. worry. That's my worry is that you're bringing in a guy who's got an amazing offensive talented mind, but he's shown trouble in the past of how to translate that genius into situational game tactics. Maybe, hopefully he's learned from that. And if he has, I think they could be a very dangerous team. And that kind of goes back to Herbert. Herbert's clearly talented. He's great. But he, what he hasn't done is kind of win the games he needed to win. He's, he's got all the stats. He's got the prototypical arm. He's got the pedigree. And he's got the background where he was like a number two pick. And so everyone's going to talk about, well, the number two pick. So he's got to be great. And he is great. They're not winning. So he's got to get over that hump, and that's a that's a team thing that coaches and all have to get together and figure that out. I think that's a talented roster, though. They're going to be they should be good. Yeah, but I think if they don't, they, they should don't have been win. Good last year, I don't know. <laughs> if they don't win, Staley's gone, and oh, yeah, that definitely. leaves the Las Vegas Raiders, who I feel like are going to be in last place in this division. Josh McDaniels, for as great as an offensive that coordinator, depends on Russ. Oh, well, it could. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, I feel like you stabilize at the head coaching position, and I think that Josh McDaniels is probably the worst head coach in this division. I, and I hate fair. to say it about him, but I hate to say it about him. He is a guy... I don't know, Staley, though. Yes. but He hasn't really shown a lot of greatness either. This is McDaniels' second stint, and don't forget that's he fair. was handed a playoff team last year, that's and they true. were precipitously worse yeah, than they true. were. They're going with Jimmy G. They moved on from Derek Carr, who's now in New Orleans, yeah. and they lost Darren Waller, 
got traded to the Giants. So uh, who are you relying on in this team? Not many people. Uh, Devontae Adams, who I believe is hurt. Yeah, and that's it. But uh, if you have nobody to throw to him. They keep their running back? Or they Jacobs, release? well, he's one of those guys in that conglomerate of running backs yeah. who didn't get a big-time deal. So but Is he going to play or not? Led the, yeah. led the league in rushing a couple seasons ago. So it's possible that the, mm. they could generate some offense. They're just not a team that I trust. I think you're and right, though. This could be the worst team in this division. It could be. And actually, I think they could be one of the worst teams in the league. So let's move on to the NFC. The NFC mm. last year... Not a lot of it was. It seemed like it was top heavy, but some teams emerged. I think last year, and one of them will start in the NFC is the Philadelphia Eagles. So the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles were a couple of plays away from being Super Bowl champions. Mm. You could argue they should have been Super Bowl champions. They choked it away in the second half by letting, of couldn't, all things, couldn't happen to a better place. <laughs> Sorry, no, they were a really good football team. I just don't like them because I'm a Cowboys fan. They paid Jalen Hurts, which they should have. Try to be honest. I agree. Try to be your honest. Objective broker is here. the word you're looking yeah. for. I'm trying to be honest, broker here. When I'm not objective, it's because I don't like the Eagles. Correct. But or they try to be objective. They have a core of a Super Bowl team that yeah. went there. Uh, the the Super Bowl hangover is a thing. A lot of teams that make the Super yeah. Bowl and lose don't do well the next year. But they paid Hurts. They didn't get worse. They drafted really well. Yeah. They have put all the talent around Jalen Hurts. Really fell to them in the draft. I mean, it really could not have worked out better for them. Very savvy front office work. Yeah. by the Philadelphia Eagles last two seasons. They had a, well, I say it fell to them. They also had a shit ton of draft picks. It helps. That helps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that... Like good draft picks because they had traded stuff earlier previous years, and so they had set themselves up for just... It was like the perfect draft for a team that just ascended last year, and then they have all these extra draft picks in the first and second rounds, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, this is just going to be unfair. But that's the savvy front office I agree. Stuff. Reverse Los Angeles Rams, who are <laughs> a little bit later. I think the Eagles are in the same camp as like the Bengals. The only thing that holds them back is injury. Yeah. And I don't think Agreed. that they're a fluke team. I think that the way that they ran the ball last year was playing to their strengths. They had elite offensive line play. It's hard to think that that offensive line is going to be worse. No. You never know, though. Oh, they're good. They're really good. Swift looked good in the first That's a big pickup, I If he think. stays healthy, that's a question of the health. The Swift always gets hurt, so we'll see if he doesn't get hurt this time. Yeah, man, there might as well be the University of Georgia North. Exactly. I mean, half their players came from the University of Georgia, so we'll see how good that translates. Uh, it's a good good place to be from right now. It says. So they're a definite team. I think another definite yeah. team in this division is the Commanders. I know <laughs> a lot of people are higher on them than I am, but Ron Rivera, to me, does not strike me as a good NFL head coach anymore. I had this same conversation with someone yesterday. They were like, I'm worried about the Commanders. They've got the enemy now, and... They've got a great defense. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I just feel like Ron Rivera just like, I don't know. He just feels like he got a lot of credit for a really good season in Carolina. And and he's just been average at best ever since then. I'm just not sure about it. He's just like a great individual, but just as a head coach, just not getting it done. Rivera, to me, last year, not knowing that they could get eliminated in a game, even if you don't know that, never want to admit it. And just this past week, talking about and saying things like the players are scared of Eric Bieniemy because of how he coaches. Like, why are you saying that to the public? I don't understand it. To me, he he seems like a buffoon as an NFL head coach. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I don't think I could do a better, but that's not good. And I think that they have Sam Howell as their quarterback. Who, yeah, I think he could be good, but not great. Could be. But maybe great, actually. I don't know. He, I think he could be good. He may be like a dark horse, one of those guys who plays well. He could be, but I think the expectations are low. I think they have a good defense, but at the end of the day, this is not a team I think that's going to compete because it's a tough division. I think they have a buffoon head coach, 
And I think it won't be long before Eric Bieniemy at least gets maybe a head coaching nod. Maybe there. he'll get to fly up. <laughs> yeah. he, he should. This may be the way to get him and finally get a head coaching job. He should. May, if they end up having a halfway decent or a shitty year part of the way through, I could see them moving on from Ron Rivera and just flying Bieniemy up and giving him a test. It's very possible. And then there's the New York Giants, who I felt like were ahead of the curve last year. Dayball comes in and they look like a serviceable team. Danny Dimes had a good season. Thing is, though, Danny Dimes had a good season, not a great season. Sure. And I think it was masked by the fact that that team culturally changed a little bit. Saquon being in, I think, obviously helped. He was he was healthy, competent head coaching play. But now they get a, and they get a playoff win, right? They go into Minnesota and get a playoff win. But I still think they were punching above their weight. And now you come into this season, Daniel Jones gets $40 million, And congrats to him, by the way. Like, he did what he was supposed to do. Why would you say, nah, don't pay me as much. Go out and get your money, whatever. No. And you know what? For all the crap that he got for getting picked where he got picked, that wasn't his fault. Not his fault that he got picked fifth. The Giants don't know how to draft. They drafted Saquon, what, third or something? But anyway, this is a team that has some expectations now because of last year, and I felt like last year was sort of an aberration for them. And I just don't know if they're going to be any good this year. It felt like the Giants, like I think the Giants, you know, they could be, everyone's going to say, the Giants are saying they're going to be great this year. Sometimes it felt like the Giants, like they were on the right side of Lady Luck a lot last year. That's why I said, punching above their weight. Sometimes that eventually regresses to the mean. And so I just, I just don't know about the Giants. I think they could be a good club this year. Probably not a great one. Saquon stays healthy, maybe that could help. Danny Dimes doesn't throw a bunch of interceptions or turn the ball over. Possible. I don't know. There's just a lot of question marks. A lot of question marks on the Giants. A lot of question marks with the Commanders. They're still the Commanders? Still the Commanders. They are still the Commanders. Yeah, sorry. Just not owned by Daniel Snyder. They're not owned by Daniel Snyder anymore. The Giants at least went in and got Darren Waller, who was one of the better tight ends in the league. So they have weapons on the Giants. But Dallas Cowboys I left to last because Mm. they're your team, obviously. But they're a team in this division that has no business being bad, right? They have a lot of talent. I think they have... They will rival San Francisco for the best defense in the league this year. And and that's the thing. But what it comes down to for some of these teams, just like the Bills, just like the Ravens, is they have no problem getting to the playoffs, at least for the most part. Yeah. I mean, two 12-1 seasons in a row. Exactly. But they seem to always lose to a team that, on paper, they have no business losing to. And that's the the biggest part of the narrative for the Dallas Cowboys is Dak Prescott and the team, not just Dak, the team. Mm-hmm. When are they going to take the next step? Yeah. And I win? a perfect example was like, they should have been able to beat San Francisco in the playoffs last year. Dak had an awful game. You know, the rest of the team was playing great, but he had an awful game, just awful. And that's the thing where it's like, you want to see him. And last year, Dak really had an awful year. Actually, if you look at it statistically, it was an awful year for him. It was a statistical abnormality though. I will say that in the sense that it was a weird year. He doesn't normally turn the ball over like that. None of his other seasons have been like that. So you hope that it was an abnormality and he comes back to, you hope he regresses to his mean, which is a much more average to above average quarterback. And I think with an average to above average quarterback with that defense, you can go a long way. My biggest worry is the offensive line in Dallas because for an above average to average to above average quarterback to uh, excel you need good offensive line play. Their offensive line is, I mean, they're Pro Bowl guard, a Pro Bowl, they have a Pro Bowl center. He's hurt right now, but not really hurt. He'll play. I'm not really worried about him. You have probably the best offensive guard in the league in Zach Martin, who's currently holding out. 
And there's like a big giant chasm between the Dallas Cowboys and Zach Martin right now on whether he's going to get paid or not. That worries me because there's no one behind Zach Martin to play that position. On left guard, you have their draft pick from last year who was very good playing both left tackle or left guard. Not really worried about that. You've got a Pro Bowl, probably Hall of Famer on the left tackle position who's also injury prone. And if he gets hurt, your left guard has to slide up to left tackle. God, now if I could be missing two guards in the middle, that's the worst place for the quarterback to have weaknesses in the middle of the line because that's what the middle line is what keeps people out of his face. I, I'm just I'm nervous about I'm nervous about the offense being able to score points because I'm worried that it, it they have the talent on the field. Brandon Cooks is an amazing addition. Uh, CD Lamb is clearly outstanding as a as a receiver. Tony Pollard's a great running back, but man, I I worry that if the offensive line can't protect that Dak Prescott or Dak Prescott can't get over his woes from last year, uh, you could see this being a team that are great. They're going to end up looking like the Washington Commanders. They're going to have this great defense, and they're not going to produce, and it's going to be sad. And as you said, Dak or bust. That could be the end of Dak Prescott in Dallas. In the it Dallas, could Dallas. be. I think that that's the weird narrative is like for as mostly good as Dak Prescott has been, at some point you have to wonder like when do you move on? And it's hard team, to move on. This though. team went all in this year. I agree. I mean, they really have. I think, and they're going to end up paying Zach Martin probably. I, I all my complaints and concerns about it will probably alleviate. They're they gonna should pay him, pay him though, gonna, right? No, they should. Well, he was the highest payest offensive guard in the league until two other guys signed this year and made him. Yeah, paid more. And so now it's kind of like, I think a little bit from the Dallas's perspective is like, are you kidding me, Zach? Like, we made you the highest paced guard in the league. We're we're trying to put together a team here, and now you're coming back and saying, I'm not going to come unless you pay me more. And granted, he, I agree, though. He's the best guard in the league. You should just pay him. Uh, it's just hard, though, because it's, it's not that the Cowboys, like, Jerry Jones is rich, right? If it were up to Jerry Jones, I'm sure he would pay him. The league doesn't let you just pay him, though. Pay him, like, Jerry. Yeah, pay I, would, him. I would pay him. Pay him. Give us a chance this year. We're going to go all in this year. You look at the people we drafted and the people that we traded for, clearly you're going all in this year. Pay Zach Martin and give it a shot. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Speaking of divisions that are bought in all the way, the NFC South, probably the worst division <laughs> in football. Awful. Is anybody out there, if you have a opinion or a take on that, 703-718-6314 is the number to give it to us. But oh, between man. the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons, there's not much that really instills confidence. Remember the Bucks won like last year. Rebuild, 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 rebuild. <laughs> All well, four of them, right? Let's I mean, go. There, you know, who's going to win this division? Does it Bucks. matter? All right, Bucks. Clear, re clear rebuild. Saints. I'm not even really sure you can consider that a rebuild. It's just sort of mediocrity. Panthers are obviously in a rebuild, although that's kind of where they are all the time. Falcons, just bad. So start with the Bucks. Life without Tom Brady. It's uh, it stinks. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Who's having trouble winning the job against uh, Trask. That's right. And there's rumors that Trey Lance, they might want to trade for him in Tampa, which honestly where they're at, not the worst decision. If you're for the 49ers. Because oh, they still have something left from that, the Super Bowl winning teams on there that it could be one of those things where it's like if, if Mayfield and Trask don't look like they're going to get done and the 49ers are willing to give up Lance, maybe, I mean, you're, you're betting on, you're betting on a, an unknown, but I mean... It's better than what they got. But if you know, if the, maybe the unknown is better than the known at this point. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is the opposite that we talked about with Joe Burrow. Guy who's super confident doesn't back it up. It's just never really backed it up in this league. I and really want to like Baker Mayfield. Uh, me too. I did for and, a while. And I still kind of do, but I just don't, I don't think he's that good. Hey, it's just, it's just no. unfortunate. I really want him to be good. I really do. It's just, it's just unfortunate. So the Bucks are going to be not great. They're going to be bottom 10 in the league probably easily. And you know what? They're fine with it because they want a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. So you take that and run with it all day long. The Saints, 
Obviously, this is life without Drew Brees, but they got Derek Carr now. I, I'm a firm believer that Derek Carr isn't nearly as bad as people made him out to be. I, I thought he's a good quarterback. I don't see what people complain about. He seemed good to me. He's a good dude, good locker room guy, which I think is is important sometimes. And I mean, he's been to the playoffs a couple of times. Is he elite? No. But is he a top 15 guy? Yeah. He's going to start over a lot of guys in this league, a lot of backups in this league. And the question becomes is, do the Saints have anything else? Michael Thomas has been hurt for what feels like four years. And I don't say that jokingly. I mean, it's it's such a weird thing for him to have been injured for so long for a guy that had so much talent. I know, it's weird. But other than that, they don't really have a whole lot. Kamara, I think, is suspended for a few games for that weird thing outside of the bar or whatever. Yep. And they really... They were okay last year, but because the division was so bad, they were in they it, but they weren't in, good. Uh, Cam Jordan, right, for defense, which is great. But, I mean, he's he's getting older. I don't know. I just feel like they're just a team that's kind of a meh. Yeah, they're exactly. Meh. Mediocre at best. And so if this division is mediocre, they'll have a chance to make the playoffs because the division is bad. Yeah. But other than that, they're really not going to make any. I mean, it's a four-horse race right now. It's really bad. And it's like the worst four-horse race ever, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all running really slow. Oh, it's really bad. And then you got the Panthers. And one of them may have, like, a broken ankle, for all I know. <laughs> you know? But the Panthers bad. get a pass because they have a new quarterback in Bryce Young. Now, Bryce Young is... Rough first day. Rough first day. He's really small. And I don't... I, I know that that's a tired argument, but in this league, it matters. If Bryce Young was... Not as small as a running back that Dallas Cowboys drafted. Correct. Did you see that kid yesterday? He looked like a toddler running out in the he field. He was fun to watch, though. He's I'll tell fun. you what. <laughs> but you don't want him playing quarterback for you. No, no, no. Different story. Yeah. So Frank Reich, obviously, is the coach there now. He didn't have a great end to his tenure in Indianapolis, but again, a seemingly a good guy. He's taken over a team that doesn't have a lot going for them right now. It's going to be rough. They didn't look that good in preseason, and it's just going to be a rough year. And you hope, much like the Texans, that they just don't get this guy hurt. But I think, I, and I like Bryce Young. I want Bryce Young to succeed. I do too. It's just, I just don't. I hard. just don't know, man. I, I think they just got to keep him upright. If he was long taller, enough for though, him to get confidence. So he got picked first. But if he was taller, easily would have been the best prospect since Andrew Luck. And it's not even close. I mean, he played really well for Alabama. Again, playing a really tough schedule, playing in games that mattered, and was good. But this is the NFL, my man. Everybody's big. Everybody's fast, except for him, apparently, because he's not. I mean, he's he's only as tall as he can be. Yeah, he's yeah, great, great leader, great arm talent, just a small frame. It is what it is. And then there's the Atlanta Falcons. And I want to give a shout out to UB, Uncle Barry, because this is his team. But uh, it's Barry, tough to be a Falcons fan. It's, it's not going to be very good for you. So Arthur Smith, it still blows my mind that there is a grown man named Arthur in the NFL. That's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that they have now, Des Desmond Ritter. You now alienated the 2% of America's population. They, sorry, the 0.2% of America's population who are named Arthur. Sorry. My grandma had a cat named Arthur. That's the last thing that I knew that was named Arthur. So <laughs> anyhow, this team is not going to be very good. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is finally going to get the reins because they went the Mariota route last year. And despite how likable he is on quarterback on Netflix, which you should watch, he didn't really make it the, the whole season and everything. So they draft Bijan Robinson with a really, really high draft pick. Yeah. Not a good idea. They drafted Kyle Pitts last year, completely wasted him. And this is a guy in Arthur Smith that apparently wants to be a run-first dude. So I don't understand this. When you have a guy like Pitts who can do what he does on they've the field. they got Pitts. they got Drake London. They've got Bijan Robinson. I mean, they've got all these offensive. But it's to me, they're like the perfect example of like, I think that like they're playing, are they playing fantasy football in Atlanta? 
like, let me draft a good running back and a good tight end and a good receiver and then I guess maybe a quarterback who's good. I don't really know what Desmond Ritter is going to be. I mean, if he's if he's not very good, they've always got the magic man, Tyler Heineke, from ODU coming back in. And, uh, you know, he saw what he could do at Washington that made people feel just good enough where they were going to win, but not quite. The not quite part is very... Yeah, but then I just feel like the rest of the re- they forgot that, like, you know, the team is built in the, in the trenches and with all those depth players, and I just don't feel like they have a lot of that. No. I feel bad for you if you're an NFC South fan because it's not going to be fun football to watch. And Anybody can win, though. That's true. It's anybody's year. Somebody has to win it, so you have that going for you. Now, let's move on to what, in my mind, is the most intriguing division in football, and that's the NFC North. Yeah, it just got opened up because the reigning dad of the NFC North has moved on. Can you uh, enlighten me on that one? Aaron Packers. I was using Aaron Rodgers. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I thought there was like breaking news right now. No, I I just mean the fact that Aaron Rodgers is gone. He's basically been the owner. He's owned those other other three teams for 12 years. (laughs) We're on the same page now. I thought that something had happened in the time in which we'd been recording, and you're like, wait a minute, what happened? Because I heard Resident Dad, and I thought, Kirk Cousins is no longer a Viking? Wow. (laughs) Anyway. so That's good, though. That's good. There are four teams in this division, and all four of them seem like they could potentially make some kind of noise. Now, we'll start with the Bears. So the Bears have Justin Fields. I think that Justin Fields made some strides last year. You saw some explosiveness with him. They had nobody that they were throwing to. So they go out and get DJ Moore, right? They get a good receiver yeah. for him. The big question is, outside of that, can they protect him? Can he stay healthy? I don't know. But it's a team that I think is going to be, you don't want to really play them. They're, they're not a guaranteed win. Are they going to be 10 plus wins? Probably not. But they're a team that you're like, I don't really want to play them in a game that I really have to win. Right. That's you know, how I feel I mean, about yeah, I mean, I, I think Justin Fields, I mean, he clearly can run the ball well. Now let's see if he can do it with some good receivers. I think my favorite hot take stat line of the day yesterday was um, after about the first quarter of the Bears preseason game, like NFL drops a thing like Justin Fields, uh, three for five for 129 yards and two touchdowns, fire and eyeballs like, ooh. And I'm like, you know, the guy, <laughs> the guy threw a, a screen pass that DJ Moore took for 62 yards for a touchdown. Then he threw a dump off because he was about to get tackled to his running back behind the line of scrimmage, who then took it for 52 yards for a touchdown. Is that Herbert? Khalil Herbert, I think? Yeah. So Virginia Tech Hokey, but not putting it past the fact that that is part of the game and that is scoring points. I just kind of laughed at the fact that people would actually use both the preseason game and two plays that have negative air yards <laughs> as an example of why a quarterback is great. Man, I'm sorry. You can't win in the NFL with screen pass. You can win in the NFL with a good screen. But you can't be the best quarterback in the NFL with screen passes. I think that Justin Her- or excuse me, Justin Fields can be great. I think he could be very great. I just was laughing because I didn't think that two behind-the-line scrimmage passes from yesterday would exa- were exactly an example of him lighting it on fire and a ho- showing a whole new Justin Fields. I mean, let's not use that as an example of a whole new Justin Fields. It's the preseason, man. we got to find something to grab onto. So the other team, as you've already talked about, is Green Bay Packers. So this is the Jordan Love era. Now, a lot of people are down on Jordan Love. We got such a small sample size. I don't know what to think of. I don't either. No clue. A lot of people say he's going to be bad because of what we saw in the very, very small sample. But you never know. He'll be fine. He'll probably be average. Your bigger question, though, is Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur gets a lot of credit for Aaron Rodgers winning a lot of games, but also him not being able to get that guy to a Super Bowl. I think this narrative is the most intriguing thing in this division because I firmly believe that Matt LaFleur is not as great of an NFL head coach as we thought maybe he was because Aaron Rodgers masks a lot of things. 
And look at what happened last year. You have not as much of a bought-in star, can't get as much out of them. And the coaching, that's your job. Your job is to get the maximum out of your guys. And Jordan Love is going to get his his opportunity, but I think the Packers are on that downward spiral of what happens when you get you move on from a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Packers fans, you've had two yeah, in a row. It's not always that you're going to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to the next Hall of Famer. It's quite possible that Jordan Love may be that next person. And if that happens, then Green Bay, I'm sorry, you must be blessed in some way that no other team in the NFL is. Chances are it's probably not going to be that way. It's just not. I agree. So let's move on to the Vikings, who last year started 7-1 and one and then lost what felt like a playoff game that they they lose perennially. Kirk Cousins. That whole year, Minnesota felt like yes, a team that a was fraud. a fraud. They just didn't feel like a, they just felt like, I mean, ugh, I don't know. I, I agree. Just don't, I don't trust Minnesota. I don't. So Kirk Cousins is such a strange thing. Like when we look back on Kirk Cousins in 20 years, it'll be interesting because statistically he he wins and he's also had good statistical years. But the strangest part about him, and there's no way to really measure this, is that he just doesn't have that it factor in the biggest games that he plays in. And I know people will say like prime time and all that. And I think it was Cleve that said he's uh he's yeah, historically bad in night games. He's, yeah, yeah, so he is um the the day walker or whatever he called him. And <laughs> but it there's something to that. And you can't measure intangibles like somebody who comes up big in the moments. Like we there's nothing that differentiates Joe Burrow from Kirk Cousins in those games outside of the fact that the passes get made, the touchdowns get made. And is that talent? Is it some it factor, some clutch factor? I don't know. But Kirk Cousins is not that guy. And the sad part is he's a good quarterback, just not a guy who is seemingly going to get you to the promised land as they'll probably hoist the Lombardi trophy this year. Kirk Cousins feels like he'd be like the best neighbor you've ever had. Oh, 100%. The guy is so white bread, like boring that like you're like I like having him next door he's useful and he's got, got all these he's got all these tools and he's very helpful and he'll come over and talk to you about stuff and he has some good ideas about things I'm so glad you brought this but up like, too by the way but like we also plays football that way it's just kind of like mm, okay thanks I like you you're a good guy you're very helpful but like I don't think I you know I don't where's I don't think he has a dog in him you know like I don't know if he I don't know if I'd go to war with Kirk Cousins in the quarterback <laughs> miniseries that he's yeah. in on season one I said that last night, as a matter of fact. I said, Kirk Cousins is one of the plainest people I've ever seen in my life, but I don't have anything against him. Maybe I'm him. wrong. I don't know him. He may not be plain, but he seems plain to me. Listen, when you're on a documentary, a docuseries, that's your chance to be who you are. And all these other guys are who they are. And I will say this, though. Almost every quarterback in the league is boring, to be honest with you. <laughs> Probably true. Like Patrick Mahomes, there's nothing about him that makes you feel like, wow, this guy's so cool. Like, he just wants to be a regular dude. Mariota just wants to be a regular dude. Sure. Kirk Cousins is a regular <laughs> He's dude. He's as regular dude as you get. <laughs> so the funny thing is, is his the problem wife, is he also is like a regular dude on the football field. In the he sense is, that He's still better than you and I. I mean, don't, I'm of not course. saying it like that. I mean, like compared to his peers, I feel like that's what comes out. Is the regular dude somehow comes out in the big moments. And he's he the guy, to be not though, the regular dude then. <laughs> his wife picks out his outfits for game day because he's so hyper-focused on football. Like that, and it's a, it's a strange for thing. Him. I agree. Good, yeah, good for him. So, I again, I, I, almost, I always feel bad when I say bad things about Kirk Cousins because he doesn't seem like a bad dude and he's not a bad football player. He's a good quarterback. I just don't, 
I just don't believe for the life of me that he's going to take the Vikings to a championship. No, but he can probably drink water than, better than <laughs> I can because I just spilled all over myself. A little behind the curtain thing for the camera here. But this is a team I feel like probably sitting around 500, maybe double-digit wins, but not going to... Titans. Titans level of... Yeah, I thought, you know, we said the Titans as their windows... I feel like their window's closing. I feel like Minnesota's window's closing. Yeah, no Dalvin Cook now, so they don't Which have an elite running back. Like, you have, like, this great receiver in Justin Jefferson who's just going to kind of squander your way for a few years. great in a Cowboys uniform in a few uh. years. So let's see so <laughs> Yeah. So the most intriguing team in this division is somehow the Detroit Lions. Yeah, with Motor, they really are. Motor City Dan Campbell, MCDC, as Coach likes to say. I but think he'll let us all down. Nine and eight last year. They beat their rivals to keep the Packers out of the playoffs expectations are incredibly high. And that's where things fall apart for teams like this. The Browns were like that a couple seasons ago to the point, I will admit this, I picked the Browns to win the Super Bowl in 2021. Ouch. It is what it is. They had a disastrous season. So, but this is a team now that's going to have a tougher schedule. They're going to have a target on their back. They're not plucky anymore. They are being looked at as a team that has made huge strides. And my big question is, is Jared Goff the kind of guy that can sustain this? Because he was really good last year. They, offensively, they were very good. You got Hendon Hooker sitting right behind him. Well, coming off an injury, he's fourth on the draft, the Whatever. depth chart because he's hurt. But I, I would agree with you. So this is my thing exactly with the Detroit Lions. They had that great year. They feel like they're on the ascension. I still don't know about Jared Goff. I thought they had a weird draft class. It felt like they were a few pieces away from being a really, really good team. And I felt like their draft class initially with all the draft capital they had was incredibly underwhelming. But if Herndon Hooker is not seriously injured, I'm going to tell you what, man, that may have been the still of the draft. He may come out of this draft. He's the, he's the quarterback I like the most going to this draft just for the fact that maybe not right away, but in the long run, I feel like he could just be really good. And I think this could play really well into his hands. He gets a chance to kind of sit here and watch this team. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. This I know hurts. you're mad because you left Virginia Tech. No. I know you're mad about it. <laughs> it hurts me so much because so rarely do I say things like, I wish that guy was on our team. But watching him at Tennessee last year be dynamic, win big game after big game. And I, as I've said a couple times in this recording now, it matters. When you play big teams on the big stage and you beat them, that's invaluable experience. And you come into a team. So let's say that let, let's say the disaster happens. Jared Goff is not very good. This team has wild expectations. They don't meet it. Hendon Hooker comes in at the end of the year, gets some reps with these guys, starts to figure things out. And then you take a dynamic guy, put him on that team, which has weapons, by the way. And now it's not this year, but next year. And then all of a sudden, they become a team that everybody thought, yeah, we thought they were going to be good, but they're not. And now Hendon Hooker comes in and starts lighting it up and they start winning games. That's exactly what I, I'm envisioning. I, I, this is a team that I'm actually rooting for. And I this is a, a starving franchise. And I want them to do well. But I feel like there's so, there so many expectations on this team that it has nowhere. It's like the Star Wars franchise. Like it just has nowhere to go but letting you down. Oh, man. It's tough. And they're good at letting people down. Detroit's like experts at it. Yes. And I feel like they're going to start the season in some strange way. They get the Chiefs right off the bat, which yeah, tough start. I don't even want to call that a litmus test because it's almost not fair, but it exactly speaks to what I said. You put them in prime time, first game of the season against the defending champs. And that to me tells that that should tell you that the league sees them in that fashion as well. It's hard. It's hard to live up to those expectations when you've not been perennially good. 
but I think they have a very, very good chance of winning this division. I think they could. And I think that they will I think will this division's still. open. I think they can do it. Yes. It's going to be the most intriguing division to watch. Watch because... them make me look like a chump again like the Denver Broncos did last year. Hey, not an official prediction. You said they could. Anything is in the wrong possibility. So let's cap this off with the NFC West, who at the beginning you tried to say was one of the best divisions of football. Backtrack, because when you really look at it, you're like, huh. Because Yeah, when you really look at it, it's hmm. Big question mark. So let's there's a start. Lot of, there's, there's one great team. With a we question think. with a question mark. Yes. And then there's two teams that could be good, but are also kind of question marks, and one team that I think is just a bottom feeder. Big question mark about this division as a whole. So the Cardinals come into the season moving on from Cliff Kingsbury, who supposedly had some weird cultural thing where, like, he didn't want to piss off Kyler Murray because he's the guy, and it's like, you're the head coach, man. Like, take over the damn team. But they're coming in with Kyler coming off of a pretty catastrophic injury, right? Players recover from those a lot better than they used to. But again, they lose Hopkins. They don't really have a lot of weapons. And Kyler is dynamic, but he can't do it alone. I get nervous when when a player comes off a bad injury when their talent is being mobile. He's got a great arm, don't get me wrong, but he's tiny. And the way he moves and all that stuff is part of his game. I just get nervous about that. I just think it's gonna be like, oh God, now what? Isn't he the kind of player, though, that the way that he plays, he's small, he's mobile, you almost kind of let him ad-lib more yeah. than you would any other player because that's his skill. Like, well, that's his strength. That's coming off the injury, though, is a question. I agree. No, no, I, you know, I agree. Like, can you still do that as well? That's your talent. That's your. That's what makes him unique and makes him, that's why he was the number one pick, although I still don't really care for it that. It is what it is. But uh, Can't go back now. Unfair to him, maybe, to make him the number one pick. I agree. So, But they're a team without an identity. Like, you're not like, ooh, the Cardinals are of this team. And I'll say this, the Patriots, it's not the right identity for today's NFL, but they're a run team, so you know who they are. We're going to run the ball. We're going to try to win by low-scoring games. It sucks. It's boring, but it is what it is. The Cardinals are not that team. And now the Seahawks, last year, Geno Smith has... There's no way you could have predicted that last year. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the real Gino, though. I'm not either. And I'd love for it to be the real Gino because, you know, it'd be great to see him actually achieve his potential. No way that it is, right? But, I mean, I don't know how a person could have that many bad seasons in the NFL and then just be good. It's just not normal. That doesn't happen. Come to your extraordinaire, Pete Carroll. Yeah, maybe the coach matters. I don't know. That's the thing with Seahawks is it's like you're looking at, you're expecting a Geno Smith to come back and just be the same Geno Smith you had last year. And I just don't know that you're going to get the same Geno Smith. I don't know that that Geno Smith last year has seemed like such an outlier from the rest of his career. It's hard to bet on it. But until he shows it's not that, you kind of have to give it some credence. And he's got some good receivers and some stuff there. And I don't know much about it. I think their defense is, is pretty good. You know, a lot of people are talking about them trying to re- revamp the idea of the Legion of Boom type thing again. I don't know. I did, they feel like a question mark team where, you know, maybe they overachieved last year too. Yeah, they do. And I feel like Geno Smith is somewhere between the worst we've seen him in last year. Because if you really look at last year into the numbers, game by game, he wasn't blowing us away with his performance. A lot of Geno Smith-like performances sprinkled in there in some of the bigger games. Remember, they were, what, 9-8 and eight last year? So it wasn't as if they were really good. I think it was... Way better than we thought, which, by the way, I saw the thing the other day that was Drew Locke dancing on the sidelines and said, remember that? And I was like, no, what I remember is him losing his job to Geno Smith last year. 
because Drew Locke apparently stinks that badly. We all made fun of that. We thought, wow, Drew Locke has to be bad if he lost his job to Geno Smith. And Geno has a 4,000-yard season, and they make the playoffs. So it's, But you don't know if that's just a one-hit wonder. No, I found it interesting as I was trying to think about things to say about the Seattle Seahawks that I could not come up with enough actual information because I just they seem so, like, I don't know. Like, there wasn't anything that stood out about him outside, outside of Geno Smith having, like, this resurgent year out of nowhere was the fact that they're going to go back to their throwback 80s uniforms this year, which I really like and I'm very excited about because I don't like anything about the Seahawks' current uniforms. I'm sorry, all you, my friends in Seattle who love the lime green and all that stuff. I cannot stand them. I think they're the ugliest uniforms in the league. And so I'm happy to watch them go back to the old uh, regular green, blue, and silver look from the 80s, the old Steve Largent years, which I thought was kind of a cool look, and I like throwback stuff, and that's a good throwback. Speaking of teams that need to go back to their throwbacks now, the Los Angeles Rams, who had the perfect combination, the royal blue and gold was perfect, and they new-aged it. All they had to do was just use that original one, and they would have had the best one of the best uniforms in the league, and they screwed it up. <laughs> so the Rams last year, bunch of injuries, give up on the season, McVay almost retires, ends up coming back. As you pointed out, they have veterans in the key spots, but they're a big question mark. Matt Stafford, is he going to be the same guy? Because that elbow injury was apparently almost career-threatening, and they're older than you think that they are. Aaron Donald's going to still be good. How good is Matt Stafford going to be? I'm not sure. How invested is Sean McVay? I think that's a genuine question you can ask. The big problem that the Rams have is they have no capital to build through the draft at all. So this is a team that if it's not, if they don't have it this year, they're not going to have it for a while. Yeah. I mean, F them picks. It worked. It worked. You got your championship. But now you're going to pay, probably pay for it likelihood for the next couple of years of being pretty bad. Oh, you may be good this year. Maybe okay. Depending on if Matt Stafford and those guys can put it together. The problem is, like we said, the depth behind them is not great. They haven't had the ability to build in a lot of, of young talent. And so who knows? Who knows? Stafford was gone so long. I almost forgot that they won the Super Bowl with him at quarterback because that team had two seasons ago, <laughs> like not even like that long ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And it just it felt like an afterthought. But I don't think they're going to be particularly good. I think that McVay is a good coach, but obviously coming up to the end of what seems like his his bandwidth as an NFL head coach. And he's young enough that he can walk away. He's won a Super Bowl like whatever. He doesn't have to stick around for very long. But I honestly feel like the Rams the Cardinals, the Seahawks, they may actually all beat up on each other. And I'm not sure which one of those teams is better than the other. Yeah. But the one team that we think is going to be the cream of the crop in this division is the 49ers. But the weirdest part is they have the biggest question mark at quarterback. So yeah, for, everything else is perfect. For as good as they were last everything year. Everything else is perfect. <laughs> here's my, my theory. I believe that last year Brock Purdy came in to the literal perfect situation based off everything that happened. I mean, he's a guy that wasn't even expect. If you sat him down and said, did you expect to see the field last year? He'd be like, no, because he was so far down on the depth chart. All the things that happened had to happen. It was crazy. Lance gets hurt. Jimmy G gets hurt. They have to go to this guy. And then they go into Philadelphia, NFC Championship game. He gets hurt, still has to play because they have nobody else. And just a weird situation. I think that the 49ers are getting the benefit of the doubt because Shanahan is a good coach. They still have a lot of talent on that roster. But when your quarterback is as big of a question mark as he is, we don't know. Brock Purdy is a guy, I want him to do well. He's a really rootable guy, but he was Mr. Irrelevant. Like, 
Did everybody just miss on him the I way mean, that they possible, missed on like Tom Brady, you know? But like even Tom Brady like needed a little bit of time to kind of watch the game before he was, you know, great. And so I, I had the same questions about San Francisco. Because you look at the rest of the team, right? Look at that offense, right? Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, right? I mean, a, a good offensive line with Trent Williams on the left tackle side protecting the quarterback's blind side. Their defense is clearly oh, it was great last amazing. year. Amazing. We know they're good, and they didn't lose pieces there. The question is, can the seventh round, the last pick in the draft, really be the best? Is it? Is the rest of their team so good that he doesn't have to be great? He just has to just not screw it up? Maybe. So then you kind of go, okay, what else do you do? Well, I mean, you have Trey Lance, who drafted with the second pick, fourth pick in the draft two years ago. It was really high. They traded up for him, too, remember? Do you wait and say, you know what? We're not sure. What if Purdy fall like just falls apart? Do we hold on to Trey Lance and then hope that he can come in and play? Or do we take advantage of the draft capital we may be able to get or or something we can get for Trey Lance now and trade him away? Because we got Sam Darnold on the team as well. And maybe the idea is if Brock Purdy can lead this team to the NFC Championship game, I mean, how much worse can Sam Darnold be? Oh, I forgot You know about what him. I mean? He's not a bad quarterback either. Nope. You know? And if you look at the, if you put all that talent around him and just be like, hey, man, don't throw an interception. Could he just do the same thing that Brock Curdy could do? I don't know. I that's my question. It's like I don't know where they're going to go with this. They're a weird team because the quarterback room is never before have I had a team that I'm like so want to say could win the Super Bowl and at the same time be like, who is their starting quarterback? <laughs> I forgot about Darnold. And Darnold's funny because he starts his career off with Adam Gase, terrible. He moves on to Carolina, has kind of a blip of what we thought we would see out of him. McCaffrey gets hurt, and he gets hurt. And that's the end of that. And he comes back and doesn't look the same. But now on this team, maybe Darnold starts the year off because Brock Purdy isn't ready to come back or what. But Shanahan seems married to the idea that Brock Purdy's his guy. But Trey Lance is the real key because they, they traded up to get him. Raw talent, obviously lots of upside, big dude, right? He has a lot of the Josh Allen-esque sort of criteria that you want in a quarterback but he's had such bad luck I mean he gets hurt last year which you never want to see that happen and he comes back and he's like all right I got hurt they're on a third string quarterback this team's not gonna be very good it'll be my team next year nope what happens is the seventh the seventh round pick comes in takes him almost to the Super Bowl like worst case scenario for Trey Lance I think there's going to be a market for him if Purdy comes back and plays well there will be a market for Trey Lance because one of these franchises that we talked about whether it's your Atlanta's or whether it's your Tampa's, they're going to want to take a flyer on a guy like Trey Lance and hope that they can hit pay dirt. Will they? I have no yeah. idea. And so, it may not happen before the season starts. This may be a perfect example of... In mid-season. Yeah, or, before the trade deadline, one of these teams in these shitty divisions is going to is going to find itself... Sorry. Is going to find itself in a position where it's like, you know what? Like, if we just had a little better quarterback play, we win this division. And they may be willing to to see what they can get out of San Francisco, see if they can convince San Francisco, assuming Brock Purdy's playing well or average, you know, then they may have an opportunity to go after someone like like Trey Lance. Yes, lots of intrigue. So we've gone over every single division in the NFL, and we're going to do some fun stuff here to end this episode. So now that we've gone over division by division, Mike, who do you think is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year? The New York Jets. Wow, the New York Jets. I mean, it's it's totally possible. It's a bold prediction. It is a bold prediction, but it's a guy who's been and won a Super Bowl. I still feel like the Cincinnati Bengals are 
a team that I like. I know that the Chiefs, we're not writing off the Chiefs. It's just the Chiefs are the easy pick. It's obvious that you could pick them. But after losing at Arrowhead last year and kind of getting a little bit of humble pie, they have the same core. They've been to a Super Bowl. They've now lost some big games. I feel like Joe Burrow is not the kind of guy who's going to take that lying down. I love his confidence. I love the way that he plays. And I feel like even though they've lost some big games, they have what it takes to win. I think they're just going to continue to make that next step. So I like them there. The Interesting. End. We both went away from the perennials in a way. Neither one of us picked the Chiefs or the Bills. I think you picked the Bills last year. I picked the Chiefs last year. Both of them are still very possible to become the AFC person in the Super Bowl, but I just feel like we both were about think that there's some very possibility that you're going to see something change up here. I think it's, I think it's just a matter of the f- fact that there's so much parity in the AFC. And, like, it's hard to make the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs getting there last year, they had to beat a very game Bengals team to do so that had beat them the year prior. And so I feel like even if you have the most talented roster, even if you have a guy like Mahomes, good teams lose a lot. Your, your pick is the more rational of the picks. My my Jets pick is a bit of a flyer. I feel like mine's not even that sexy. I feel like mine is almost like, meh, it's like the Kirk Cousins of AFC Super Bowl predictions because they, they're a good team. I would be happy to see them in there. I really thought they were going to make They almost beat the Chiefs, man. I mean, isn't it weird that the Bengals went from what they were under Marvin Lewis to I'm picking them as a Super Bowl team? But yeah. the NFC, I think, is a little bit more wide open in the fact that I don't know how many great and elite teams that there are. So your gut feeling about the NFC, the Eagles, I feel the same way pains me and you know what i would i think i would pick the 49ers i would pick the 49ers but i the question mark at quarterback i trust the eagles quarterback better as much as i i just i look at that team i their head coach annoys me and the eagles annoy me at least they're gonna wear the kelly green this year which i do actually like the kelly green uniform so i'm happy to see that coming out this year but i just i just think they've just got too much talent on that team not to make it It'd be, a, it'd be a catastrophe of a season for them if they don't make it, in my opinion, with all that talent. It's funny because you never want to put absolutes on a take like that, but I can't disagree. When you look at the rest of the field, the Eagles seem like they have the advantage in every position. Every position. And they've paid the right guys. They're in a good place. And you'd think that they should be able to do it. But, but this is the NFL. Exactly. They say any given Sunday for a reason because you just never know and Jalen Hurts could get hurt in week one. Anything could happen, and that's why it's so difficult to predict. We're not going to do Super Bowl picks or anything in terms of who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I think you kind of have an idea of where we fall in this. We would love to hear your opinion on this. If you want to call or text INC Sports 703-718-6314, it's the number to do that. We'd love to know because it's just such a crapshoot. But this is August. It is preseason. Everything is wide open. So that's where we are. But Mike, if you remember last time, I set you up for the mic spike to try to give you a rant about something. And you did not have anything at the time. Oh, you should have warned me. I would have prepared for a mic spike. I mean, you could. But what about all this stuff happening in Hawaii right now? Oh, yeah. That's something that's not really close to home in the sense that you are from there, but you did live there. You have a strong connection to the area. And I'm sure there's some things happening there that people are misunderstanding that maybe you'd want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's uh, first off, it's a tragedy what happened in Maui. Um, I mean, it's just a beautiful, a beautiful place um, with just awesome both history and heritage and, and the people there are just so wonderful. 
to see that kind of destruction go through a place that we've all been to. I don't know if you guys have been to Maui or not. Many people have been there. Lahaina is a great spot. Um, I was, I was looking at pictures of my kids in the Banyan Tree uh, Park yesterday, which is, you know, dead center in the middle of the fire. Uh, my my daughter's birthday we had out on one of the one of the uh, one of the restaurants out there that got burned down. Awful, right? Um, I guess my 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 only thing is I hate seeing I hate seeing when people take tragedies like this and they politicize them and they try to say, "Oh, see, global warming, climate change," and and honestly, this is a perfect example of uh, you got to know your history and you got to know the reality on the on the ground. I think you look at you know there are many professors at University of Hawaii uh, who for many many years have said that the 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 problem there are problems in Hawaii that are, that could lead to these kind of fires because of uh, old plantations, sugar plantations, pineapple plantations that are since now defunct, and ever since then the clearing of the natural vegetation in Hawaii led to the the growth of these grasslands that can just catch on fire. Um, and they needed to clean them up, and they hadn't done a very good job of it in certain areas, and it was just a, a tender box. Um, and the timing with that hurricane bringing those winds in, it just was awful. And the fact that it happened overnight and it caught all those people by surprise, you just don't want to see that. And so I hope that uh, hope that maybe at least opens up some people's eyes and, and the government of Hawaii to to look at some of the other islands where you have the same type stuff and say we it's time to time to look at this and see what we can do to try to prevent this kind of tragedy again. So that's my little thing. It's a little bit of a, a muted one because I hate to see all those people uh, lose their lives and their property in a, in a beautiful place like that no longer exists for now. In the face of tragedy, you always want to find a way to improve. And when I say that, I mean, in this case, we know why this has started and we know that we can fix it in other islands because Hawaii is a very special place. Anybody who's never been, it is a place unlike any that I've been in the sense that they have such a strong sense of culture that is their own. It's almost like going to another country. And a lot of people on the mainland will talk about it as if it's this paradise. But to a lot of the people that have lived there, grown up there, it's their home. And the cultural differences are just so vast. And I appreciate it for that. I mean, there's a lot of things about that that come with living there that you and I both know about. But it's it's a tragedy to see that. And you just hope that and out of politicizing anything. And I feel like we do way too much of that. It's a tragedy because people are losing their homes or losing their lives and the land of Hawaii, which is a beautiful thing that this country has, is being lost. And you just hope that the next thing is how do we prevent this from happening again? And not because I can get reelected or not because of some narrative that is being pushed here, but just because it's the right thing to do. And I think that that's a perfect way to end this. So we have gone over the whole NFL. I can't believe it. I mean, I feel like it's been a short amount of time, but it's also been a long time. And yeah. the season is very, very close. I will be hearing seven hours of commercial-free football very, very soon. But do you have any parting words for the NFL fans that we have? No. Uh, yeah, the football season is upon us. I hope everyone's ready to, to really enjoy this season and uh, take care of each other, be nice fans to each other, uh, let people enjoy it. And then lastly, of course, much aloha to uh, those people in Hawaii who are going through a tough time. Couldn't have said it better myself. A few things before we let you go. Don't forget to support the Matty S Media Network, MattySMedia.com. It's under construction right now, but we're going to have a new website coming for you very, very soon. This is an INC Sports entity, so if you want to find out or listen to any of the other entities that we have, you can certainly do so in the podcasting world. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify, don't forget to hit follow and rate. 
And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. If you want to call or text the show, 703-718-6314 is the number to do that. I hope this finds you well. Hope this finds you safe from me and from Mike. We'll see you next time. This is Reading the Defense. and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Frakes, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.